Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, read our scripture for this morning out of John chapter 3. We've been in a series through the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to spend a, a good portion of the year there taking breaks with different series here and there. But uh, uh, if you're not sure where we're going to be, the chances are we'll be in John uh, this year. So uh, John chapter 3, this is a, a famous passage of scripture where Jesus uh, talks to Nicodemus. And uh, we're going to look at it and explore it here this morning. So John chapter 3, the first 13 verses says this. Uh, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night uh, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can come to see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So Jesus, in typical fashion, gets right to the heart of the matter. (laughs) Uh, Verse 4, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Well, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again, for the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Well, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, uh, but still people do not accept our testimony. For I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of earthly things? For no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Uh, Let's uh, say a word of prayer and we'll jump into uh, the... Uh, this passage of Scripture this morning. Heavenly Father, today uh, we ask that you would meet us where we're at. Uh, Lord, many of us have come uh, from a week of just tons of responsibility, um, and we come maybe fatigued or tired. Uh, We pray, God, that you would meet us where we're at and give us new strength today uh, to hear and accept your word. And God, if we have come from Uh, a week and days that brought very good things. Uh, We celebrate your goodness. And Lord, if we have come from situations or circumstances that we have found challenging and demanding, uh, God, we still proclaim our faith in you and our dependence upon you. And so, Lord, meet us where we're at today as we open up our hearts and minds to receive your word. May you be faithful to speak to us. And may your spirit, God, be freely at work in this place uh, to move in our hearts. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together and to hear your word. And we now give our full attention to it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was one year before Jesus was born, and faithful Jewish parents were welcoming a baby of their own. As as this uh, beloved child grew up, they told him how he was blessed uh, to have been born into the right family. Uh, That is God's chosen family, the family of Abraham. They wanted to make sure that this little boy knew that as the chosen people of God, they uh, were in, and that everyone else was out. 
Now, if you grow up hearing this message over and over and over again, you certainly uh, come to believe it. And so this young man held on to his parents' teaching and, and entered into school to learn all about the Hebrew Scriptures. And what he, what, they, what he found out was what the parents always knew, and that was that he was a very sharp kid. And so while other kids around him were, were kind of beginning in school and then would find it too difficult and so they would drop out, he stayed in school and for a young uh, Jewish person, in, young Jewish student in school, they would, uh, they would start out by, by memorizing the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. So it wasn't just a familiarity with the scriptures. Uh, it, wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just knowing them. It was literally memorizing what we know as the first five books of the Bible. That was uh, what you had to do in this schooling. And so as other kids were dropping out all around him, he found himself uh, leaning in more and more. Uh, He was a sharp and smart kid, so he stayed in school while others around him uh, began to drop out, and he kept studying until he reached uh, what was called in his tribe a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees were the experts of the Jewish law, and they were expert interpreters of these Jewish scriptures that he had come to know and to memorize uh, so well. In fact, the Pharisee, if you became a Pharisee, your name, Pharisee, literally meant the separated ones, those who are made separate, uh, separated from the rest of the crowd. In fact, it was, uh, it was a highest honor to be a Pharisee because it was an honor to be a keeper of the law of the chosen family of God. And in fact, it was an honor to protect the sacred systems of the Jewish people. For this is the role of the Pharisees, to interpret the law and interpret the scriptures in order to be a keeper of the, of the law of the God's chosen family and to protect the sacred systems of the Jewish people from the threats that might come against it. And in fact, as you have no doubt guessed, this Pharisee's name was Nicodemus. And he had the privilege of not only being a Pharisee, but as Uh, chosen among even the Pharisees to rule in the Jewish ruling council, Uh, which meant his life uh, was important. He was a a person of stature. And so one night, and it's significant that it happened at night, uh, one night Nicodemus approaches a man named Jesus from Nazareth. And he says to this man, you know, you have performed many miracles and drawn many crowds and you are causing quite a stir. And because of all of this, we certainly know that your teaching is from God because no one could be doing what you are doing if God was not with them. And then Jesus, Jesus replies to this. This isn't a question. This is, this is more of just a, a statement. Uh, and, and there's a lot of debate about whether this statement is trying to lead Jesus uh, into a trap, whether it's uh, just a, a genuine compliment for Jesus of saying, hey, you're doing good things and you seem to be important. We know that you're from God. The Pharise- you kind of have the, the pharisaical stamp of approval to which Jesus said that's not reciprocal. <laughs> you know, it's like w- there's a lot of debate as to the motivation for Nicodemus's comment. Uh, but the real heart of the story in this situation and this conversation is found in Jesus' reply, uh, which is, as usual, brilliant and gets right to the point and right to the heart of things. So Jesus says to this Pharisee, this, this member of the Jewish high council, uh, this, this student who has grown up at the, the, in the top of his class, Jesus says, you know, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now I want you to consider these words from Nicodemus' point of view. 
You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Uh, Remember, Nicodemus is, in fact, uh, a Pharisee. He knows the law. He, he, he knows the scriptures. Uh, he considers himself to be an expert in all things uh, Torah and Jewish scriptures. And so uh, it's, it's not a moment of, of, do I see the kingdom of God? It's, it's really of uh, himself seeing, I'm a protector of the kingdom of God. And, and, and now you're saying you can't even see it unless someone is born again? Uh, And I also want you to consider just how odd this must have sounded. Uh, Nicodemus had no reason to want to be born again. Um, Now, I want you to to hear the phrase as Nicodemus would have heard it. Uh, We hear the phrase, we think evangelism, born again, that's a good thing. Uh, But when he's hearing it for the very first time, he's thinking physical birth. And there's really no reason in the world that he would want to be born again. We all want to be a little bit younger, but that's going a little bit too far, right? (laughs) But consider this as well. He had no reason to want to be born again because he was born into the right family. Uh, You'll remember as a a child, his parents were were teaching him, you were born into the right family, God's chosen family, the family of Abraham. You are in and everyone else is out. And so being born again might put him at risk of being in the out crowd and he was in the in crowd. He also had grown up to make quite a name for himself. Only the high priest had a more important or more significant position than him. And so he was Jewish, so he was born in the right family. He was educated and he was important. So the idea of being born again must have seemed not only odd, but quite frankly, undesirable. When he has reached this point of life, it was, it was just this matter of this is, there's nothing attractive about this idea of being born again. In fact, the Judaism that Nicodemus knew had a lot to do with being born into the right family. So why would I want to start all over? Because I, I got it the first time around. I nailed it. I was born into the right family. I was high, I'm highly educated. I'm part of an elite group called the Pharisees. I'm part of the Jewish high council. Only the high priest is more significant or more important to me. And so there's really nothing about this that is attractive to Nicodemus. But as we know, of course, God or Jesus really wasn't talking about being literally born again. But he was talking about family. You see, what Jesus is saying by saying that you must be born again is that God is starting a new family in which ordinary birth isn't going to cut it or isn't enough or isn't even significant. And he says, so since God is starting a brand new family, you have to be born all over again. Or a better translation is actually born from above. And so remember, from Nicodemus's point of view, everything is about the family that you were born into. You're either in or you're out. And he was in, he was educated, he was important. There's no reason to start this whole thing over because he's landed. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 God is starting something brand new. God is starting a new kind of family in which the, the, family, of, the family of origin or the family that you were born into is, is not, on one hand is not enough, but on the other hand is not even significant at all. And so what is, what requ- what is required is that you are born again from above, or you are born 
from above. Now, of course, Nicodemus is confused about this. Of course he's confused about this. For he's grown up in a situation where family origin determines everything, whether you are in or you're out. And so he pushes back and he argues according to his own frame of mind, according to his own worldview, according to his own perspective. And he says, surely I cannot go into my mother's womb and be born again. This is physically impossible. So Jesus clarifies And he says, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And so now in trying to clarify, Jesus has actually made it maybe even more complicated for Nicodemus. Right? What was unclear at first now has three things at play. Now all of a sudden Jesus is talking about flesh, water, and spirit. And Nicodemus, this highly educated uh, guy, is going, what in the world are you talking about? (laughs) And the truth is, uh, this passage seems a little bit odd to us even. And so there's three things at play. The flesh, the water, and the spirit. Now the flesh is pretty clear to understand. Uh, It is, of course, referring to the natural birth that Nicodemus saw as so important to be born into the right family. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But there's two other things at play here that Jesus wants to talk about. And he, he talks about water and spirit. And water and spirit are used to describe this new birth that Jesus is talking about. And he says, when you are born into this new family, you're not born uh, into the new family by traveling again through the birth canal, but rather you are born into this family by way of baptism of water and baptism of spirit. And so Jesus, in clarifying and using this clarifying sentence, is actually saying, here's how you are born into this brand new family. You're born into the new family by way of water baptism and baptism of the Spirit. And so water baptism signifies the person's entrance into this kingdom movement. God is starting something brand new. Jesus is going around proclaiming the reality of the kingdom of God. It's this new way of life, this new way of living, the expansion of our imagination to actually see that loving our enemies and Caring for those who persecute us and all of these things is actually possible. There's this brand new movement called the kingdom of God. But in order to enter into it, you must be born from above. And baptism then, water baptism signifies your initiation into this brand new kingdom movement. That's the first thing he's saying. So water baptism signifies a person's entrance into the kingdom movement. Now for us, it's certainly a a symbol of what has already happened in our heart, a decision that we've made uh, in the deepest parts of who we are. And then we, we, we signify that, we embody that through the practice of baptism, and we proclaim publicly, this is then my entrance into this kingdom movement. Now, we also think that it's appropriate and can be appropriate to do this for kids before they make that personal decision as a way of saying that from the very start, you belong to this people called the church and you are part of this kingdom movement. And so in this church, we baptize believers. We do adult believer baptism, but we also do and practice and have infant baptism as well. And so there's water baptism, the signification of the person's entrance into the kingdom movement. But Jesus goes on to say there is also a baptism of the Spirit. Uh, And the baptism of the Spirit is this living in new life that Jesus offers us. That That the new spirit life that is bubbling inside of us as his Holy Spirit lives and works in us. There, there is this sense in to say that, that on, on one hand, water baptism signifies our entrance into the kingdom movement, but it's baptism of the Spirit that sustains us in that movement. Are you with me? 
And so Jesus says these two are absolutely linked. This baptism of water and baptism of spirit are absolutely linked. They are two sides of the exact same coin. And so, in fact, the early church, no one in the early church would suppose that spirit baptism was so important that you could go without water baptism. Uh, they, they, they weren't like, hey, you could just sort of like live by the spirit but not be baptized by water. In fact, the, the early church made the opposite error of saying, hey, I, sometimes they believed that water baptism was enough just to, the, the, that there was sort of magic in the water, that in being baptized, you were in fact saved and it was all good and you didn't have to go on and live with baptism of the spirit. And so what part, of Je- part of what Jesus is saying then is that both of these things absolutely matter. That the new birth that comes in Christ is entered into by way of water baptism and then is sustained by way of baptism of the Spirit. Does this make sense? Maybe a little bit. Good. Uh, let me try to clarify. Um, I used to know where my birth certificate was. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that I don't know where it is anymore. As far as I know, I have lost my birth certificate. Uh, At some point, I may need to find it, be more diligent in finding it, or at some point, I may need to get a new one issued. Uh, However, um, I don't need a birth certificate to prove to you that a birth took place. Here I am. (laughs) And you don't need a birth certificate to prove that a birth took place, because there you are, (laughs) And so really the facts of when and where I was born are really just minor details to the life that I live now. And I would argue that the same is true for you. Um, That the life you live now, the the details of where and when you were born are uh, by and large inconsequential because you're here, you're living, and you are alive And when it comes to our faith, I think that sometimes we forget this. Uh, You know, some people enter into the Christian faith in a watershed moment with tears and joy, exhilaration and love, and that is good and that is beautiful and that is God-given and the work of His Spirit. And, and, And then others just sort of, they don't have that big watershed moment, but they just kind of incrementally in their life just continue to grow in the Spirit. Maybe they grew up in a Christian home. Uh, maybe, they, uh, maybe they didn't, but they, one day they just kind of started going to church and they said, hey, I think this makes sense. And then all of a sudden their life begins to show fruits of the Spirit. And somewhere along the line they decided, whether explicitly or inexplicitly, I'm just going to follow Jesus in the way of the kingdom and that's how it's going to be. And so sometimes for some people there's this big watershed moment. For other people they, it's just this, when you look at their life and the, the growth of their life, the maturity of their life, in the spirit and their spiritual maturity and you say wow when were you saved and they're like "Mm, I don't know (laughs) but does I want to I want to challenge us and ask the question does the fact that maybe we can't at some point identify hey I was saved right there at that moment back then does that make their fruit of the spirit in their life any less significant absolutely not right and so what happens, though, is sometimes we tend to overemphasize and to think that the Christian faith is centered on this, this one moment and all that God has for us is this warm-hearted moment of a spiritual high. And I would, I would submit to you today that believing that way uh, is a bit like framing your birth certificate. And when everyone is, when someone comes over to your house, you show them your birth certificate and you say, see, on this day, at this time, at this hospital, uh, at this place, I was born. And just before I invite you into my home, I wanted you to know that. 
And just think how awkward that would be, right? Uh, right, ne- right next to all your degrees in your office, you have your birth certificate. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of an odd thing, right? Because what matters most is, is not that one day when you were born, although it is sometimes good to go back and remember that day and remember where you came from. There can be value in that. But the, mo- the point is, is that your life now shows evidence of strength and love and vitality and purpose and, and mercy and grace. And so when we come to this this discussion between Jesus and this high priest, Nicodemus, Jesus is getting right to the heart of things because as a Pharisee, he would have always kind of been looking back and saying, this is how things were. He wants to protect the status quo. And what Jesus is saying is, is I'm not, I don't want you to be so concerned about the moment of your spiritual rebirth or the moment that you decided to become a Pharisee or the moment you decided to continue in school. I don't want you to be so focused on that, but rather I want to invite you into living a life now as though you have been reborn. And so the, the whole point of this conversation is not Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to remember his moment of spiritual rebirth, but rather he's wanting him to live as one who has been reborn. And I think that's a really good moment for us. And that's a really good word for us because what we tend to do, or at least we can do so easily, is we can sort of just live in the decision that we made maybe months ago, maybe years ago, maybe decades ago. And we can go back and we can remember our baptism and there's good value in that. In fact, anyone that was baptized as a child and they have sort of owned their faith as as their own, I say, you don't need to be baptized again. Just go back and remember your baptism before. So there is value in going back and remembering. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is, are you simply living back there and saying, oh, I I did that, I said those magic words, I said that prayer, I'm good to go. And now we're just kind of, we're, we're, we're in a, We're an autopilot in our life. And Jesus wants to say, no, 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 don't do that. Continue to grow in the spirit because in order to see the kingdom of God, we need to be baptized not only by water, but also by the spirit. And so remember, the water baptism signifies our entrance into the kingdom movement, but our spirit baptism or our baptism in the spirit signifies our sustaining in the kingdom movement. And so it's it's a both and. It's a, these two have to go together. And so I want to just encourage us today to think about where are we at in our life? Are we in a place where we are just sort of like going through the motions, just uh, on autopilot of our faith in our life? We haven't, uh, if we think about man, have we grown? Have we matured over the course of the last six months, over the last year, last five years? Is there any spiritual growth that is happening? Or am I, am I being sustained by a baptism of the Spirit Or am I stuck? And can I be honest with you? There's times when all of us get stuck. I don't don't want you to to be discerning of your heart today and say, you know what, yeah, I am stuck, and then just leave here with a whole bunch of guilt to carry around. That'd be totally missing the point of church and the freedom of Christ. But rather, I just want to give us space and opportunity to, to look at our own life and discern our own heart and ask, God, have I become stuck? Am I, am I living just in a moment where it's like, I just remember and I'm kind of living in the past and yet now there's sort of all these kinds of things that God wants to begin to do in my life to sustain me in the work of his spirit. 
What I'm trying to say is that our faith in what God's intention for us is not just a decision back there, but our faith is to be lived out each and every day in our work life, in our relationships, in our life at school, in our neighborhoods, in your cul-de-sac. Like all of these things are to embody the faith that is being sustained by a baptism of the Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is the most mysterious part of the Trinity, right? Most mysterious member of the Trinity. And I would just say that the Holy Spirit is the, it's his sustaining strength and guidance and discernment that actually allows us and empowers us to go on and live out and, and, and practice our faith. So, so it isn't that the Holy Spirit is just sort of like this super mysterious, like we don't know what, quite what to do with him part of, of God, but rather he's absolutely central to our life and the decisions that we make. And God says, Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you, if you want to see, if you even want to see the kingdom of God, it's a both and. It's a water baptism signifying your entrance into and commitment to living in this kingdom way, but it's going on from there into a baptism of the Spirit so that he can empower you day after day after day. And through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, we'll begin to see the kingdom of God all around us. We'll begin to see that there, for every tragic moment of of violence and pride and unforgiveness uh, in our world and, and tragedy and all of these things that are wrong with our world for every one of those, there's also moments of, of beauty and forgiveness and reconciliation and mercy and compassion. And Jesus says, in order to see that, you have to be baptized by water and the Spirit. And so I just want to invite you today. I want to invite you to search your own heart and discern your own heart to be able to say, do I need to just open my life up again to the work of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in my life? Have I become stuck? Have I just gotten on autopilot Like, what is it? And where am I at? Because I want to encourage you to demonstrate a vitality of heart and faith as we walk with Christ and practice our faith. And so I want to ask the question, is it uh, it time again to look at the Jesus of Scripture and see what he has to say. You know, there's a lot of versions of Jesus. <laughs> there's kind of the national Jesus, the American Jesus. Uh, there's, uh, there's all kinds of uh, wrong and distorted views of who Jesus is and what he taught and, and what he was all about. And so I, I wonder if, if you might just be discerning enough to say, you know what, is it time for me to just return to the Jesus of Scripture and see what he has to say? and begin to do my best through the power of the Holy Spirit to live in those ways. Or maybe it's time to make a difficult choice to do the right thing. Um, Whatever it is that God wants to do in your life, 
or however it is that his spirit wants to work in you, I encourage you to search your heart and see, is there anything God wants to do in me? And so you might be here today and you haven't uh, come to a place in your life where you have experienced rebirth. I would invite you to pray the prayer of belief located on the back of your notes insert. And I want to assure you, there are no magic in these words. (laughs) But it is an initial decision to follow Christ so that you may see and experience the kingdom of God. You might be here today and you have maybe made that decision, but you've never been baptized by water and you want to explore more of what that means. And I encourage you to indicate that on your connection card. And I would love to talk to you about what baptism means in your heart and in your life. Or maybe just be today that you're here and you have uh, had the moment of rebirth, whether you kind of walked into it or whether you had that watershed moment. You, you believe today that you are following Christ. You've been baptized by water, but now you just say, you know what? I need to be sustained by the Spirit of God in my life. I need, I need a fresh anointing of His Spirit. Wherever you are today, I would want to echo Jesus' conversation to Nicodemus and say, you know what? Life And practice of faith is not so much about remembering your moment of rebirth as much as it is living in such a way as though you are reborn. Amen.